Hi, and welcome to Phantasmal Farces Adventure Rise, where we delve into the world of entertainment and see if we can pull an adventure out of our arse. Our aim is to inspire and to show, so long as you look, almost anything can be a tabletop adventure. So don't be intimidated, and let's see what we can stitch together. I'm Alan, and I'm the forever GM McCastrix of a group of players in Wales. I love casting my fourth level arcane eye over stories and seeing how they translate into adventures. In this episode, we will be adventurizing the Olympics. The Olympic Games are a leading international sporting event featuring summer and winter sports competitions in which thousands of athletes from around the world participate in a variety of competitions. The creation was inspired by the ancient Olympic Games held in Olympia, Greece in the 8th century. The Olympic movement has uh, evolved and now also features the Paralympic Games for athletes with disabilities. Opinionize. Good evening, Rod. How are you today? Aloha. I'm, I'm very well, thank you. And uh, we also have a guest. We do. And uh, and I guess it's Guten Abend. Uh, we get uh, Emil from uh, Double DM Pod. It's going pretty well, you two. Thanks for having me. More than welcome. We're glad to have you. Yeah, no, as in, uh, you know, as in uh, we're a proper podcast now. We've had a guest and we've also had, you know, a proper guest, i.e. someone like yourself who is quite active in the in the TTRPG podcast community. Uh, it's my heart. Thank you. <laughs> uh, do you want to just, um, for anyone who isn't familiar with you, but I imagine anyone listening to us is but just for anyone anyone else uh, do you want to just do a you know do the little spiel about okay uh, what it is you do you would think that i'm getting better at this but i don't so i'm emil from wdm podcast where me and my co-host go do deep dives on ttrpg topics meta discussions and do also some interviews with other people we mostly talk every week about things like role-playing, things like mechanics, things like uh, preparing a session, what the difference between a campaign and a one-shot and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, that's our whole spiel. And... Okay, cool. That's, uh, I'm sure lots of people know that, but anyone who, uh, who didn't know that, check that out. And obviously we'll put links to all your stuff in the in the show notes so people can find you if they want to which they should do um so yeah we uh you we suggested a few topics and well sorry you suggested a few topics and we picked it out of the list you gave us i almost got that the wrong way around um so yeah we're talking about the olympics today um which is i really like that idea as soon as you suggested that it was uh out of left field because it's not so, it's not something I would have thought of in a million years. So I actually was quite excited by that um, choice. I mean, the thing is, it they were they were over the day. I think you asked me to to guest, so I so they were fresh in my mind because of yeah, because I basically have to watch the whole Olympics or at least a lot of it. You have to. Well, have to is 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 an overstatement, but I was born into into a family of sports. <laughs> My father is a sports reporter, and 
with that vicinity to sport, I basically have to at least check the stats of certain competitions. I watch a lot of them too, and also listen to them, just the audio. So I basically keep up to date with the sports world. Okay, and obviously something as big as the Olympics, you can't you can't ignore it. Yeah, I I get it. Um, before we we delve in though, um, I'd like to to flip one of your formats on you where you get people to guess German song lyrics and what they mean in English. Uh, we're going to do it with Welsh song lyrics. Uh, it's going to go great. Just as a, just as a little bit of, uh, just to, cause obviously it's something you do what you've done on your podcast. Hopefully this will help you feel at home, but in a strange Welsh home instead of a German one. Thank you. Uh, um, right. So, I was gonna. I I, I was gonna pick. Uh, it's a song called Sospenvach, which is a. Um, it's like a. Is it a folk? Would you call it a folk song? I think. Yeah. That's... Yeah. It's a, it's a folk song, but it, it's been adopted by the rugby fans, namely Oshadeshi. Yeah. So it, it is something that's. Uh, that's that's my little. Uh, as well as my. My little tangential segue is that it is a song used in sporting context, so it's it's kind of relevant. Um, but yeah, the the lines this because I remember singing it at school. Um, I'll have a go, and Rod, you can because uh, Rod is the the proper Welsh speaker. I'll just muddle my way through. So. Uh, after I finish, Rod, if you want to give your critique on my pronunciation, and then Emil, uh, you can guess what it means. Okay. Uh, so, Sospan Vach and Berri Aratan, Sospan Var and Berri Araslar, Argath Wedi Scrapo, Johnny Bach. I'm just doing that bit, Rod. For I know there is more, but yeah, we, we don't want to translate a whole song. No. Critique. Which, okay. word, which, yeah. which words did I say stupid? <laughs> uh, shower was a problem. Glower, but it's, it's shower. But that's okay. Uh, okay. Um, do you want that repeated, Emil? Uh, I think I will need that repeated. <laughs> okay, so it's Sospan Vach and Berry Aratan. Sospan Vaur and Berry Araflaur. Argath Wedi Scrapo. Johnny Bach. Okay. Um, so <laughs> this is gonna go horrible. Um, huh. I'm still trying to process everything. Shall Shall we do it line by line? I think that's probably better. Okay. Uh, Sospan Vach and Berry Aratan. Sospan. Um. So, Holy Land in Berry Retrust. Okay. Uh, second line is so, Sospan Var and Berry Araslaur. Or Slaur. So, I already forgot what I said before. So, Holy Land in Berry, we not trust this time, but in Berry, we live. <laughs> And then the last line is Agath Wedi Scrapo Johnny Bach. 
Never trust in Johnny Bach. <laughs> it's, it's, that's the probably the only thing you've got right was Johnny oh. Bath. Oh, <laughs> I take it. Uh, so Rod, do you wanna do you wanna do the translating? What 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 what? And I and like I said, this one is an easy one because it's a very logical song with words that oh. definitely happen in real life all the time. No, they don't. Um, <laughs> so a little saucepan is boiling on the fire. A big saucepan is boiling on the floor. And the cat has scratched little Johnny. <laughs> so that's what you've got there. So, yeah, you know, you trust the saucepan. <clears throat> you live in a saucepan. Uh, but you also don't trust the, the cat scratch Johnny. I mean, it's a meanie cat, right? It's an asshole. If it yes, scratches someone. Yeah. All, all cats are, so it's fine. Talk. Yeah, Rod doesn't like cats. Mm-mm. I like cats. We, 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 we represent both, uh, both parts of the, the cat, whether cat spectrum on this podcast. Though I don't own a cat. I'm a cat guy, though. Okay, so we outnumber Rod today. Nice. But yes, this, the, the cat in the song is an asshole cat, yeah. I I don't really know what it's actually supposed to be about. Does it, Rod? Do you do you know what the actual kind of no that that's just an odd, odd little bit. But um, I think the lyrics uh, someone's hurt their finger, um, and there's a there's a there's a butler involved somewhere, and then the girl whose finger was hurt then has a bit of a swollen tummy, which I believe maybe the butler has something to do with. I don't know. It's it's very strange. Okay. This is the, these are the things that happened in Wales back in ye olden times. I mean, it's like Wales songs are just German folklore translated. <laughs> well, we're all we're all versus the Romans at the end of the day. The Celtics, the the, the Britons, the Germanic tribes, and all that. Yeah. No. I... I, I just wanted to do this because I thought your guess the German lyric translation thing was pretty fun. And I thought Welsh would be suitably hard and probably lots of people playing at home wouldn't be able to translate it either. Same with our German, though. I was going to say, because I, I did German at A-level, so I quite often, when you've done that, I'm like, so the something is on the something. But then what that something is, no idea. It's, uh, but yeah, I just, I just wanted to play that game. I won't apologize. So, after it was fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, what we're actually here to talk about is adventurizing the Olympics. And so, like you said, you, you watch it. Do you have any favored events? Are there events that like you make sure you watch? Because you said you watch most of it, but mm-hmm. is there anything you watch like? You know, you make sure you're sat down, you know, you got your drink, you're, you know, no one's going to bother you kind of thing. Is there, or is it? Yeah. You just... I have some, especially because I played nine years of field hockey and nine years of handball in school, high school and all that stuff. So those yeah. are the two competitions I really want to watch, where I also know a bit about, for example, the German national team or anything along those lines. So yeah, there those are the ones I really want to watch. And then I also make sure to 
watch most of the hand-to-hand -hand combats. So, um, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, most of the hand-to-hand -hand combats, karate, jujitsu, or that, all those. Okay, because yeah, I, I'm not that interested, but it's so big that you can't really escape it. Um, so I tend to always watch several of the field events. Uh, no, not field events, the other one, the track events, because they tend to get the a lot of coverage. Um, even if you don't watch them at the time, they'll be replayed on the news and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, this year I did watch some of this, the skateboarding and the BMX, because um, they were new to the games and their sports I have a kind of passing interest in. Um, but yeah, I they're kind of a thing that exists and I watch them because they're there. Um, I've actually watched more, I think I've watched more of the Paralympics because um, I'm not sure about in Germany, but in the UK, because we do really well in the Paralympics because I think we're second currently. I don't know if anyone's following it. Um, but I think we're second in the medal table. Uh, that gets pushed a lot on TV and, you know, in the media um, in the UK a lot. So I've seen lots of Paralympics, um, particularly swimming. That seems to be the thing that they replay a lot because um, obviously the Paralympics are the, the partner games and they are currently still ongoing or is it just finished? I can't remember it only just started i believe there may be another week to go oh they ended yesterday apparently oh. maybe no no more weeks to go <laughs> um but yeah so that the, there is that as well i thought i'd just just mention that but i think that i don't think it's that uh the uk is like a utopia for for um disabled people it's just we win lots of stuff so it gets promoted. I don't know if it's if it's as big a deal in Germany or or not. I don't think so. At least I haven't had many contacts with the Paralympics. It could also be that, especially after big sporting events, because my family is very big on American football. I also watch the Super Bowl and the ah. end games of the NFL in general, like the semifinals and quarterfinals and the World Cup and. Uh, the Euro in, in, in football or for the Americans, soccer, right? Those, yes. those I always watch too because they are also big sporting events and then the thing becomes after those, right after they end, I'm mostly very fatigued from them. I, I just don't want to have anything to do with them. It's like, I've watched them and then I'm like, okay, and now two weeks of no sports for me. Yeah, no, uh, I get that. I think because I don't deep dive into any of them, I kind of just have a a constant level of kind of just overhearing stuff. Um, Rod, you've been you've been silent on this. Please I tell just, us about your love of the Olympics. I have the perfect cure for for uh, that that uh, that week off hangover of of sport events. Just don't partake or participate at all. I'm, I'm not a fan. Anything that goes over maybe 80 or 90 minutes and, and I'm out. So I can manage football or soccer. I can manage rugby. 
because uh, I was I was raised on rugby. Uh, it's almost a national sport. But anything over when we're talking hours, like cricket and darts um, and the Olympics. You know, I I was dragged up to the uh, Glasgow Commonwealth Games once. Oh, and I was oh, I was miserable. I'm miserable at the best of times, but I was exceptionally miserable. So um, yeah, it's, the Olympics are not my thing. If I happen to catch who, when, what, and when um, on the news, then I'll kind of absorb it. But I won't remember their names, unfortunately. So I know there was a a silver and a gold in the BMX. There was a lady from uh, Britain and, and a chap from Britain, but the lady had to go fund herself. And yeah, that's uh, it's sketchy details at best. So yeah, the Olympics are not necessarily <clears throat> necessarily my thing. Yeah, so I think we've got a, a bit of a mixed mixed bag of opinions on the Olympics itself. But as a topic, however, it, I I agree with what Alan said. When that was the one that came up, the, the pair of us both had no time at all in in choosing it. It was a, it was a hell of a shout from yourself. It, did you have any? It, it was just that it had just finished. There's no uh, nothing else to the to the to the decision then. No, not the fact that it was like relevant or anything. I think it's. Uh, um, I don't remember the other two choices now, but the Olympics was the one that that stuck out the most. It's like that's a challenge. That's an interesting concept. I'd love to try and adventureize that. So, shall we get on with it then? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, we <laughs> mechanize. And where do the players go in an Olympic-based uh, adventure? Because the first, my first thought is they're the competitors. Um, I'm guessing that's everyone else's first thought, or or did someone immediately go a different way? Um, yeah, it, 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 if you say the Olympics, um, you're going to expect to be playing some Olympic style games, whether they were the ancient Olympics or the modern Olympics. I I, I hope you'd agree with that, Emil. I would truly, at least my first thoughts went into that direction, but uh, then I quickly thought about, well, if they are competitors, they will also have to partake in the actual competition. Right? Yeah. And when you play those actual competitions on, in the table, they become something that we call role festivals. In, at our table, which are, well, basically just rolling dice, and yeah, I, I get what you mean because you're like, I, you, yeah, you, it's like I throw the discus, roll for it, okay. So you've now thrown the discus. Now it's your second throw of the discus. Throw the discus. That that kind of, there's not much into. I guess it depends on the event. I guess, but that kind of thing and a like a hundred meter sprint again you could you could resolve it in one roll or just going do the this 10 meters roll do the next 10 meters roll that is that am i understanding what you're saying or is yeah but okay. i have i have thought about something because i was part of a game once where we basically played something that could be best described as rugby on goats we we're all set on goats in the game and basically played rugby against each other. And okay. now I'm thinking about how this could become an adventure or, or part of the competition because maybe a team sport would be 
not even as bad because in the team sport you would have again team play which in a normal ttrpg setting is pretty important for the characters to play together yeah just a question is that was that something someone homebrewed or is this a real thing because i'm intrigued by your rugby with goats uh okay so the thing is that game we played was the dark eye which is a german role-playing game and they have rules for team sports because they made the thought about team sports in the setting. But I don't think that the goat rugby is actually part of that. I think that's what our DM homebrewed. Ah, okay. Um, I'm minorly familiar with the Dark Eye. Um, we got, I think it's the fifth edition. We got that mm. in English. Um, oh, yeah, I know the one. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's quite... Uh, there's a lot of it seemed very like there's lots to it is that fair to say or are we just very detail oriented I would say very very, very little details you can mix and match for your character so there's a lot of stuff you need to read through to get the best what you want or to get actually what you want sometimes you have like five different ways to hold a sword, and then you need to decide which is the way you want to go with. So yeah, detail-oriented, there's a lot, a lot of rules and a lot of details. It's, um, well, I guess it's worth, worth asking, seeing as you are a German person, I've heard this. Is, is the Dark Eye, is that like the number one, is that even bigger than D&D, or is it like one below D&D kind of thing in terms of popularity? In Germany? I would say the Dark Eye is probably the most relevant system you can find. Okay. Even above D&D, because D&D 5th Edition, I think, when I got into D&D, which was 2017, D&D 5th Edition was just getting translated to German. And they only had the Player's Handbook translated, I think, from a German publisher. And the Dark Eye already had like 20 supplements out, and all the books, and all the world, and since it's the first that actually came from Germany and with its continu continuing story, because it has a continuing storyline, which they lost in D&D at some point, they, the fan base is pretty core. And I think most of the people that I know that play The Dark Eye also say that it's their favorite system of all time. Okay, that's pretty... So is it the... Because I think it's the fifth edition we've got in English. Is that... Is that worth actually sitting down and getting to grips with, or is is it like no, you must play the third edition, which is only available in German or something? Well, if you ask the hardcore fans, they would probably tell you to play any of the older editions. Okay, yeah, I would say the fifth edition is just with like D and D is probably the best to start. It's very streamlined. It's very well written for people to get into. But it's a lot more to get into. So I would I would recommend everyone to check it out because it's a good system. But I can understand that not everyone is going to like it because it, they made some design choices that were basically, well, we want to keep the core audiences from the older systems to stick, stick around and not alienate them too much. So they kept a lot of things that are like from the 80s or something, which... Maybe alienate newer players, though. Okay. Because I, I think, and Rod, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. 
because like our british rpg is warhammer fantasy is that is that i know i know D is still the biggest in the uk but that's uh that's our homegrown system isn't it of our generation yeah um there were many more before it like uh victoria miniatures have that sort of it's, well, it's never really been RPGs, has it? We've always borrowed the American RPGs. Britain's always been live or die by Warhammer tabletop and, and things like that. So World at War um, and uh, the gun and shot and pike, pike and shot, things like that. That's that's where, where the UK really tend to shine. Because <laughs> all I was thinking, that also reminded me that obviously Warhammer, whether it's the RPG or not, has Blood Bowl. You could st- if you were playing a Warhammer Fantasy game, you could play Blood Bowl. It could be the Blood Bowl World Cup. Well, there's also Blood Pig. So mentioning, you know, um, uh, rules for a tabletop pre-made or homebrewed, Blood Pig comes preset for Paizo's Pathfinder 1st Edition. Yeah, I did also think of that. When you said rugby on goats, I can't remember how Blood Pig went, though. Um, we never played it. We circumvented that with a little bit of ingenuity. Yeah. Um, in um, one of the Pathfinder adventure paths, there's um, people playing a game called Blood Pig in like a, it's a converted theatre, isn't it? A converted rooftop theatre. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's all we're, we're, we're on about. I don't know if you've um, read any of the Pathfinder adventure paths, Emil. Um Sadly, hasn't. I've only really checked out D&D aside from most of the German systems and I'm just dipping my toes into all of different systems, Vampire the Masquerade and whatnot all right now. Okay, yeah, it's in one of... Uh, it's one that we've, we've played through. Uh, they have a section where it's... I can't remember what it is, but it's to do, it's to do with... There's like a pig running around... Yeah, it's a combination of basketball because the pig has to be dropped into a hole in the floor. If okay. I recall. It's, yeah, <laughs> don't read too much. Into it. <laughs> Stick with, uh, is it D or D Schwarze Auge? Das Schwarze Auge. Das, oh, beg your pardon. Das Schwarze Auge. No problem. I don't know the difference between D, D and Auge. Da, das. It's das, D, D. The... It's the gender of the words, and I, as far as I'm aware, you there's no way to work it out. You just have to know which one is which. Is that yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, basically. Okay. Every word has a gender, and you need to use the correct uh, pronoun for that gender. Not but, pronoun. But you can't do anything like, it's not like all words that end in E or D or anything like that. Nope. E, okay. D is feminine. Das is, is neuter and dare is masculine. See, yes. I, re- I remember my GCSE German. But, but there's no way you know it. No one's going to sort of dogpile you for getting the pronoun wrong, though. If I were to say D Schwarze Auge, you'd be like, okay, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, at least all of the Germans that I know would never dogpile on you for using the wrong one. That's. It's, it, I think it's a bit like, because there's lots of, like, when. Um, people speak English, um, like because obviously, because obviously speaking about a a language where it's difficult to work out the rules, um, I think um, people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Um, 
when we're talking about German because Brit, uh, Eng- British English is is probably number one for having a million rules that it then proceeds to break all the time. Uh, but yeah, it's like because we have a and an, um, and yeah, I think sometimes people, to be honest, na- native speakers mess that up as well sometimes. I know I get those wrong all the time. It's that's the thing. It sounds awkward, but uh, like it doesn't sound right. But people will know what you mean, and you know, as long as it's not a an English grammar exam, people shouldn't really be that bothered about it. I would say I didn't realize that was the same for um, dare di or das. I thought I thought that might might have been a, a, a horrendous faux pas if you got the wrong one. Yeah, that was my concern. When you corrected me, I'm like, oh, no, we're not friends anymore. <laughs> no. At least with most Germans, it isn't. That's fine. Well, the one that we have is cool with it, and that's good enough yeah. for me. Um, so, yeah, to drag us kicking and screaming back to the <laughs> Olympics. Um, so, we've all pretty much touched upon the fact that we would be playing uh, players as a team or individual competitors within the tournament itself. Um, did you give any thought as to what sort of... Because you, you've touched upon, uh, Emil, um, with the racing and things like that, where you sort of d- take it uh, to borrow a, a quote from Vin Diesel at 10 metres at a time, where you'd all roll off to gain a lead upon each other um, or maybe stumble on a hurdle or whatever the case may be. Um had you, I mean, I suppose maybe jujitsu and the martial arts and things like that, that would just be a straight up maybe strength or dexterity skill check. Um, and maybe the swimming could be done the same as well as a sort of a step by step roll off. Had either of you given thought as to any of the other ones and how to implement them? I was just going to say that you can steal things like the blood pig. Um, now that I know that um, the dark eye has rules maybe that's something to look at i was gonna say because i don't know if you again this is a pathfinder adventure path but uh rise of the rune lord starts in a village fate and it has lots of like little mini games that are quite easy so i would and there is a few other adventures that are already out there that have uh village fates and all that kind of stuff i would perhaps steal some of their little mini games and reskin them that's that's the only thought i'd got um what about yourself emil um especially for the team games i've had some thoughts for example the thing is if you have the team game you could probably just project a board a grid or something where you then place every each individual player on the board and then they can move around and for example when you when we look at football you could have one has the ball and they can move and they move and an enemy moves basically into the same field as them or basically opposes them and then you could make an opposed skill check one wins gets the ball or keeps the ball gets through and then you go further and further and further so you could yeah probably chain together little mini events, mini skill roles, mini skill challenges that then come up to some sort of advantage, be it time in a race, be it meters in a sprint or something. 
maybe first to three goals with football because the abstract of 90 minutes could take too long. So yeah. maybe make it a first two situation. Um, yeah, that could work. Yeah. And the fact you've got moving around, I think, helps it's especially with kind of like the team sports, makes it less of a um, uh, a roll fest. Was that the mm-hmm. the term you used? Because roll festival, you, roll festival. So you don't have you've got more to think about rather than just sitting there all dice. You can go. Well, I need to move. It it, it keeps it a bit more tactical. If yeah. you if you if you're going to go that way. Yeah, exactly. It's the thing that, especially in the team games, you can always involve tactics, and those are basically what engages players aside from just rolling dice. They have at least something to think about. They can communicate. Okay, when we now, when you now run that way, that enemy is gonna run after you. So I can run through this line, and you can pass me the ball or something. And yeah, that that gives it, I think, an extra level of complexity that actually would be needed to make it engaging and fun if you want to play the actual competitions. I've just thought of something now. Uh, now that you mentioned that, so. If we're talking something like D&D, are they allowed to use... So, like, in whatever D&D soccer football is called, are they allowed to use magic? Can they use their spells? Oh, that's a fun thought, I think, because the most important thing is, right, that the Olympics have to make su- go to such length to keep competitive integrity alive. No. Yes. For example, real-world doping, right? They need yeah. to make sure no athlete has an unfair advantage. And in D&D, when they have magic, that probably creates a whole new set of possibilities for unfair advantages. So the first thought I had was, well, just ban magic outright. But then the thing becomes, how common is magic in the setting? Because if nearly everyone can cast simple magic spells, Maybe athletes are trained in at least some combat magic spells that actually can help them win the game. And when everyone can on the field, then it would be fair again. So if, if we would all be saying that we're in agreement that magic is sort of effectively banned, you could then just GM it and say that there's some sort of dispel magic dome. So all magic is neutralized outside of the, um, or inside of the, the, the sports village and, and arenas and things like that is is that what we would say so rather than for example for the high dive rather than using featherfall and you got time then to do an elaborate ballet on the way down before reaching the water um something like that yeah basically just make sure that with high powerful magic you could probably make sure that no other magic works yeah just completely rather than leave it to, to in trust you know, play, put in some sort of, uh, even if it's just an abstract sense, sort of dispel all magic, nothing will work. Um, well, I was thinking, I, I often, because uh, as well as our catchphrase, where do the players go, I often try and work into the, the conversation uh, a little light bulb moment or, or something that will trigger a, a sort of a response of, that's a good idea. So rather than, there's nothing wrong with playing a game, 
uh, and doing all the tournaments and, and partaking in all of that, that could be just as fun for the characters and also players rather, and, and also have them give them a reason to be there as well, because there's nothing stopping you from going to a different place because the Olympics is going to make that particular setting or city busy. Um, but then actually using the Olympics as, as the backdrop. So the adventure you actually set is at the Olympics, whereas the real thing then actually happens there. So for argument's sake, someone is accused of cheating. So someone figures out a way, uh, again, just in a fantasy setting, someone figures out a way how to make um, a magic item that helps you run faster. So then you have to try and find the culprit, figure out, you know, how they did it, find the evidence, you know, find these magic shoes or uh, amulet or whatever the case is, um, and, and then try and, you know, so, so all of this is happening in the background and whatnot, but you're actually there on site doing something completely different. You know, they, you could have it where it's a murder. So we just found out that the Paralympics is finished. But at the time of writing this, I would have said, with the ongoing Paralympics, uh, the blind runners have have a guide. There's a two-man race, effectively, and they're tied at the wrist, effectively, almost tied at the wrist. Um, but one of them is slain, so they can't actually run in the race because they don't have their, their partner with them. You could then resolve or, or find out who actually uh, did the murder, for argument's sake. And, um, yeah, there could be some sort of revenge plot stemming from that. Um, but because... The Olympics is such a multicultural thing. There might then be politics added into it as well. Then, so you know, there's there's other things that you could uh, derive from just the, from beyond the Olympics rather than just the tournament itself. Nothing wrong with doing both. I mean, you could. I, I just thought about this that maybe the Olymp that maybe this type of adventure is maybe a good place to actually start the game. You the campaign you want to run, for example. When you, you have this big tournament, you have this big event, you can... And basically everyone comes to this event. Every culture from the continent or even the whole world, or if we want to go sci-fi even beyond the world and other planets, other solar systems, whatnot, all come to this event and you get to introduce every major player in your campaign uh, in, a, in a fantasy setting, maybe a king, a queen that have some political dealings while the Olympics get, get held. Your, the players are either participating as athletes, they are maybe even just simple people that work, that, that help build the arena, that help maintain the arena. And yeah, they get, then they get sucked in into this plot. For example, one of the rulers of a country gets killed at the Olympics, which would be a huge scandal uh, in politics. And then people need then they get sucked into trying to find out who did it and need to find the culprit and yeah i think that the olympics that that it's basically a good magnet for your for yeah it's a good yeah. magnet to get the people into the, the players into the set into where you want them to because it's a big event and most of the time they are kind of drawn to it even though if they don't participate necessarily and even then, you can draw every culture of the continent into showcase. You can draw every species, every race in. Big major NPCs you want to showcase, rivals, maybe even villains and all that stuff. Can you just put into this and showcase one by one? Yeah, I, because I, I was thinking kind of similar. I hadn't thought about the 
making it the setup to the campaign, but that that is a really good idea. I, I I had kind of not quite as gone quite as far as it was just saying that, you know, because people, you know, there's lots of published settings, but lots of people make really elaborate homebrew worlds. But in a lot of cases, you play in a very small part of that. You only ever see a very small part of it. Having something like this where, like you say, it draws people from all over, it lets you showcase your whole world while still not having people don't have to go on like a cruise to around the world but you can still showcase bits of your world you know not the the geography but the like you say the people the the major players so you can kind of uh I, I'm thinking a bit selfish GM here at this, that as in, if you've done all this work creating this world, Olympics gives you a good opportunity to show it off. Yeah, without yeah. the need to be heavy on exposition as well. It's it's all there pre-packaged with a little description or drip-fed, yeah. Yeah, and, um, and I think as well, like you, because uh, I can't remember if you did or not this... You know, and he he didn't. Nothing happened. But um, was it the Winter Olympics, the last one um, that Kim Jong Un attended? I think or was he it? Did. Yes. Yeah. No idea. Uh, but it, it's it's that kind of thing. Is that these big events? Some people who are, yeah, basically, it draws people who might otherwise be almost, you know impossible to to reach or ever see um so yeah that that's really good but i i'm i'm quite uh i i really like the idea of starting a campaign there it's a good yeah i like that i like the idea of having all these little bits of everything of your world and you can have it right at the start i actually yeah i really like that i all I'm going to say is I'm just going to be like, eh, I really like that. So someone else make another point. Cause... I mean, I, <laughs> I came to that idea because I thought about, because when I look at, for example, tournaments in general, even, you could, you could have only fighting tournaments. I mean, those are kind of big, for example, in D&D, a lot of people try that and a lot of people fail at doing them good. And I'm... I looked a lot of a different media to, to, to how to do my tournament arc in one of my home games correctly. And one of the things that, for example, a tournament can do is tell a lot of different good stories if done right. For example, an underdog story, right? You're, you're the complete underdog in a fight and you actually overcome the much stronger opponent and win, which is very cool. That players if, would feel very accomplished if they are the underdog in that. But yeah. it would need a lot of work how to make it good. But also, for example, the rival story. You can introduce a lot of rivals, but also a lot of friends. And when you start a campaign there, and your players are from Nation X, and they meet the athletes of Na Nation X, the other athletes, and they can forge bonds with them right at the beginning, and then, boom, disaster happens. The queen of your own country gets killed, and the enemy... The, the nation Y wins every competition and everyone knows they cheated, but nobody can prove it. And you have a good start into the campaign. You have some NPCs that your players 
will want to work with because of affiliation with the country. They have a goal, stopping that evil king that, I don't know, wants to win the Olympics or for whatever reason, wants to demonstrate power of his army. And yeah, that could make for a very fun introduction into basically everything in a campaign in a few short sessions, few short hours. Yeah, that's that's, that's uh, while I tend to try and aim for that, that is the best idea. You you get the best idea of the show there. Well done. It's a good one. I'm already Thank getting you. ideas. I mean, the thing is, for me, also, they are cultural melting pots, right? You you mix and match everything and everything gets thrown in there and it blends all a bit together. And you can still showcase everything, but you can also showcase what is not there. For example, the differences. If you have two cultures, and what is the difference between those two cultures? That's not easily seen when you only visit one at a time. Basically throwing them together, you can showcase what is different, what, uh, why it is different even. Those are two, uh, those are two warring nations. They, ha they have been at war for like 50 years, and you can see the, the hatred they both nations just have by being at war. The athletes don't like each other, even though they have nothing to do with the war. And yeah, it, it gives you a lot of power to showcase nearly everything you want to showcase. Yeah, the opening ceremony, they wouldn't put um, enemies coming out after each other. They would be one would begin in would begin in of the because they normally have like a long sort of procession, don't they? So for argument's sake, uh, you wouldn't maybe have. Um, uh, I don't know, say one nation coming out right next or right after, because there's, there's no real real world analogy you could use. So just for argument's sake, you wouldn't have Canada who hates America coming out together. They would be separated quite significantly. And that could be obviously described as well then. I believe, isn't it the case that North and South Korea have to be separated? On, on the side of then the politics and things like that with different cap countries and, and sort of faction rivalries so the question then i thought of is if you're running a fantasy or sci-fi game where it's because if you're in a contemporary setting you just have your countries it's you're on a single planet we don't have um spacefaring technology we haven't met aliens but in a fantasy do you go planetary or um country rivalries or do you go to a more species-based thing so would it then be that you're going, you're having a human go up against a Triton as opposed to all the Tritons from various different, uh, in a D&D in &D setting, uh, going up against each other in the pool? Or are you having Tritons go up against Tabaxis who simply just won't refuse? They won't even get you off the block. Tabaxis won't go in the water at all. Well, I think that's the, there's the, an issue, isn't it? It depends on your world building, because some nations will have the different uh like because if you are an underwater nation you will only have underwater uh, creatures that can live underwater who live there whereas if you're a mountain nation it doesn't mean it has to be just dwarves you could have all kinds so just because they are a nation doesn't preclude them from having any anything i don't i don't think that uh even the forgotten realms which is quite the dwarves live here and the elves live here is still kind of mixed together so i wouldn't i wouldn't worry too much about 
here's all the Tritons, here's all the Dragonborn. I mean, yeah, the thing is, I'm, I'm thinking from the standpoint of my homebrew setting, which is a lot of mixed together because there are basically a lot of continents. One of them is a continent which is basically just a culture pot of everything. So there's every country is basically just a mix and match of elves, dwarves, halflings, dragonborn, sieflings, and all of the other races you have in D&D. While other nations are like 80% dragonborn. And now the question becomes, if we have country versus country or species versus species. Hmm. I mean, the thing is, what I've thought about, for example, is if you have a jumping competition and you have an Arakokra going up, how do you make sure that they don't use their flight ability to get maybe an extra two to, two to three feet to, to, act, to get an extra advantage again? Going back to how do you protect competitive integrity? And yeah, yeah it, it's something that you... That we essentially don't have to think of in real life because no human being has wings. Yeah. But yeah, there, there is that. You, I mean, is it to the point where the the Olympic Committee would ban certain things? Like, would they say, well, Tritons have too much of an advantage, so they're not allowed in the water? Or, you know, th things like that. Or would they try and be inclusive, but only because everyone's like if you're a human and you give you, you you give your hand at the long jump and you obviously get completely and utterly smashed you just everyone puts their best foot forward and everyone sends their arachokras to um to do certain competitions so it just ends up being species or same species competition anyway just by um just by the way it is you know just um whatever the word i'm looking for is I mean, the thing is, if they banned it, those people banned would make probably their own events or try to do something similar to get that still that competitive value out of it. If they are pro athlete that's trained for like six years for this moment and they can't compete, they will find a way to compete in a different event. And that's the thing. I don't know. How I would probably say that everyone's allowed to attend and in, in my setting, and they would probably figure out different ways to make it fair. Probably have a lot of judges judging if someone actually tries to use their innate abilities to cheat, or if they don't. For example, for, for an Arakokra, it's maybe even easy to see because you can see maybe if they flap their wings for once or not. But yeah. maybe for, for, for an underwater competition, you would have maybe the problem that you don't really know if they just have good lung cap capacity or not lung, or because they just can breathe underwater for an hour and don't have to reach the surface once in the race. But they would have to by Olympic rules. and Because I've, I've just thought, because obviously we're talking about, if we're talking about the insect desetting, we've got magic. We spoke about there being no magic, but I, I don't really know how it would work, and I'm sure that there's a certain type of player who would try to game it for their own advantage, but the fields have got a magic on them that essentially that, that kind of auto-levels the playing field, so that it's only about the skill and the training. That could be an idea. I mean, the thing is, if 
right like you like you guys already said we can't think about what would happen if someone can fly because we never have to do that for our olympics so but i but i what what i know is that people in general will probably find a way to balance the competition for everyone through rules through anything there will be they it, it sounds cheesy but life finds a way yeah <laughs> They, they, they will find ways to make the competition fair for everyone because that's the most important part about the Olympics, that it's a fair competition for all. And I think, because it's something that is a bit... Um, it's hard to imagine, is because that basically if you lived in a world where some people could fly, you will have designed games that are not... Basically, you... Because it's a problem you'll have had to think about, your world, the people in your world will have solved it. The reason we haven't solved it is because we don't have any people who can fly. Yeah. So it's definitely, it's, uh, see, this is something that's completely come out of left field for me, is that you can use, you could design sports and as you're, you could use the sports as a way to world build because the um, concessions that they've made to sports to keep them fair will be a reflection of the world. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. I mean, even the existence of magic, the existence of people being able to fly, the existence of people being able to breathe underwater will probably even birth new competitions, right? New yes. sports that they've invented just for that or that people invented and again even the next to the rules like you also said the sports are good reflection of how culture develops for for example when after the olympics were over i made some thoughts about what kind of sports would the people in this region play and i thought well it's a poor region so the people would probably play a sport that didn't require any equipment so they would go with something easy and then i kind of developed my own same to football, just that it's both footballs meshed together. Okay, so American football and soccer. Yeah, both okay. meshed together. Okay, I, I I have to admit that doesn't. I'm not sure how that would work, but I'm guessing. Oh, I still you, have to you figure it, it out. Okay. <laughs> they have a ball. That's that. That's the thing I have right now, and they have goals, but the goals are like the poles in in American football. Okay. You, you can't shoot on the ground. That's that's the thing I have right now. Okay, sounds kind of like I'm I'm. That's making me think rugby league. That's where my mind's gone. Yeah, that's that's where my mind's gone as a as a jumping off point, which is I don't know. It's kind of halfway between rugby and football ish. I don't know. I'm not not that that into either, but it it's. It's more football-y than rugby is, and it's more it's obviously mm -hmm. rugby, not football. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a that's, that's a very interesting combination. And yeah, but exactly like you said, this this is poor. So if they are a a bit like in real life, rich sports are things where you you know all the ones that use a horse because it's expensive to keep a horse. Um, so a richer area might have 
sports related to the husbandry of expensive to rear animals. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for uh, a desert would have maybe have have as a specific field maybe sands which for example we don't see in the olympics but i mean running on sand is difficult so that alone is a jumping point for a new sport that develops just to be played on sand is something completely different yeah it's i thought to start with i thought the olympic still thought it was a good topic but i thought the olympics are kind of like it's simple everyone knows what it is how it works but when you think about a world with magic and different sapient creatures you have to design like so much yep i i see that too you you have to make just like the olympic committee has like a 500 page rule system or even longer than that that the athletes need to abide by you would have to develop your own rule system for your own world because of the circumstances that world is in yeah it's yeah that's something that i i genuinely had no no thought about that's 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 something that's just come about from the discussion i always like it when there's something i because obviously we plan out the you know, to a certain extent, what we what we're we're looking to say. I always like it when I get surprised. It makes it make, make, gives me gives me good feeling. He enjoys listening to the shows as well, but his his enjoyment comes live. Yeah. So we've got because um, just to go back to um, when you were talking about the ways to uh, keep the competitive uh, balance. Um, I've forgotten the term you used, Emil. Is it um... integrity? Integrity, yeah. You've got if you are having, um, you know, they're having to chase someone, hunt someone down. Things like if they go the route of the stadium grounds are a no magic zone. That creates a game where you're, if your players are trying to hunt someone down, they might. Uh, use you know spells like uh, Zone of Truth or Hunter's Mark to track people. If mm -hmm. the some of the thing the rules put around to keep the competitive integrity will also affect the way players have to approach problems because some of their solutions, some of their toolkit will be limited by some of the other things that are going on um which is another factor it's uh, yeah i don't know I, yeah my, my mind's being blown i because uh, i'm like oh there's so much to think about i mean what i've thought about right now is also the the fact that for example when i would have a big tournament where big political figures high-class athletes attend i would make sure that no one brings a weapon into the stadium so if it happens in broad daylight and the players go on an, on a hunt in broad daylight, for example, through the arena, which is then filled with people, they would also have no weapons. They would need yes. to find, for example, a spear throwing would be a thing. Then they could, then can, they could get a spear and that could be an objective to find gear that they can use to actually 
use because they haven't they don't have their normal weaponry. They can't use spells, so they so it adds a little bit extra of yeah of of, of extra challenges that are just because of the of the location you're in grant you complete set of new ways to challenge your players and for them to figure out new ways to overcome challenges. Yeah. One thing one thing I would still just add as a afterthought is it's a big thing. It's a big event. So yeah. you would have to think of logistics. The city that this event is held in needs to have enough accommodation for the people that attend the event. It needs to have enough enough food. It needs to have enough ways to travel to that city, right? You won't hold an event like this in in a mountain resort where only one hundred people can live in. No. Yeah. So it's so it's got to be either it's gonna be one of the city, even if it's not a city like we traditionally think of it, it has to be a city-esque setting. Yeah. And yeah, that 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 is um that's good because it's again it's a little bit of adding world building because it's yes we've mentioned everyone's coming from all over the world. How do they get there? Because do they have like wizards who teleport them? You know, as in, is that a job? Being a teleportation, um, not teleportation wizard. That, that is kind of what I mean. But I was going to call him a transportation wizard. College of transportation. Because um, if if we're doing it across the world, if if you're looking at it as like the real world, if you live on the other side of it in the kind of time D and D is set. It do, you you can't you can't just get on a plane for twelve hours. You yeah. You need to be on a boat for two months. So do they have other do they have other ways of mass transit? Not not like not just the the city the lo, the location where they're going to, but also where they're coming from. How do they how do they travel from where they started? Yeah, that's definitely a thought as well another one is getting the word of the tournament out there right if you ha don't have a way to communicate with another continent yet they won't be able to attend because you won't be able to send them a message yeah because that that's also another way see i'm I, thinking now if you were doing it as the start of a campaign one of the big events could be that there is recently a new continent that has been made uh contact with and so their entrance there this is the first time they're entering they are the new guys so they are a like you say you've got the established people who've been at war for hundreds of years but these guys are kind of brand new and forming their allegiances and whatnot mm -hmm. Even in competition itself, they are the dark horse, right? Nobody knows about them. Nobody knows about these weird new fighters or new, weird new athletes that come that have trained for years under certain conditions you don't know. So they are probably, in the actual competition, they are probably pretty scary for the athletes, but they are also very new to discover and probably very interesting to interact with from a culture and politics standpoint, like you said. Yeah, it's, it's, 
you kind of can choose to if you want to have more tournament you can add more tournament if you want more culture and politics you can add more culture and politics it's you can kind of you can make it all about the tournament or the tournament can be a very tiny part of what players actually see in game or it could be the whole thing it's yeah it's cool systemize okay so systems for this i'm gonna go out on a limb because i have a feeling that this might be everyone's uh answer i don't really think olympics as a idea there's no system out there that screams this is what you use to play the olympics for me i don't know is there is there anything there isn't like an olympic rpg as far as i'm aware not that i know of i think you can do you might have to do some work to get it to fit but this is you just whatever your favored system just use that what what about everyone else um yeah we've discussed ways of how to make the the tournament and event work um maybe not with integrity but within the the realms of whatever rule set you you're using with a, a roll of a dice or here or two so nothing wrong with that um i found that uh avalon rpg um uh, has um rules for or homebrew rules for rpg as well as uh, en world or n world um I think the the current Google Doodle also is an RPG in in a in a sort of a, a sense of the word as well that you could try and use. But uh, otherwise, yeah, it's it's just common sense. Otherwise, really, isn't it? Yeah, I, I would say probably that you need some some if you want to go the route of the players are competitors in the game or in the in the sports. You would need to have the oriented skills talents attributes whatever you want to call them in that system like if there's if there are systems out there that are basically just designed to have casting magic like it's harry potter or something those systems would probably not be well suited to make a an, an event what's just about athletics and physics or physique yeah i i i, I get you yeah <laughs> Yeah, the systems, there wasn't really much to talk about. We'll just get to the next section. Unless anyone wants to go back. I mean, that's why I thought that this would maybe not be a good topic for you guys, because I thought about, well, yes, op opinionize, mechanize, but then systemize? Huh? Do I oh, even have something for that? People can work that in however they wish. I mean, if it's inspired yourself into maybe trying it, then... That's enough, really. You'll make it work if it if it uh, if it interests you enough. So yeah, it doesn't always have to work within all four of our little um, uh, whatever you want to call them topics or, or you know. So it's it's fine. I mean, we've already spoken for nearly an hour and a half now. So you've obviously chosen a good uh, um, a good good uh, topic. So yeah, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't worry too much about it. I'm very impressed summarize and yeah i i'm also i think this is a really good thing to use you don't necessarily even have to make an adventure around it it's when making a world have a sports tournament and think about how 
it's it influ it's influenced by the world and how also as well how it influences the world um so when it comes to would i be willing to to play or gm this i think yes definitely as in it's 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 such a rich idea you could make like two or three adventures based around a big sports tournament and neither of them would be the same i think it's because it depends on who the competitors are who the the nations competing there's like it's like a stew you can chuck lots of things in a stew and they're all different but as long as you don't as long as you don't overcook it or or you know you don't mess up the cooking you can chuck lots of different things in and you still get a delicious stew even though it's different to the next stew um so yeah this one is definitely uh yes i will be using this as a maybe not the basis for an adventure but definitely something i'll be thinking about when it comes to world building so yeah i i i i just have to double thumbs up this uh the olympics as a uh, inspiration i was all for sort of championing my idea of using the olympics as a setting and disregarding the events themselves um but i've i've turned around to be honest having cured what you both have to say particularly yourself and Mill, that was it it was a you know a moment of genius there so uh yeah i, I would definitely GM and, and play this. We, Alan and I, are, are certainly trying to think of a homebrew setting of our own. Um, and it's always, I mean, I'm immediately putting our homebrew setting, um, or trying to put this rather into our homebrew setting and where we would fit it in. It's it's a very very good idea, a very strong idea. Thank you. Yeah, for my part as well, I have already thought about it a bit after the Olympics and why the Olympics were running for my game and found different ways how they how it would work and why it would work and all that and yeah definitely either just as a backdrop for a political intrigue murder mystery or something yeah definitely because i just love those but also just generally as a good point to world build or even have some competition to introduce all of the factions you have yeah definitely also double thumbs up from me for for this being danke Emil. Thanks for having me. Yeah, oh, no, come back. Yeah, absolutely. It was like, like I said, it it looked on paper to be a great topic, and I think, well, I I think it's turned out to be one. There's there's much more. Like I'm in the next couple of days. I'm sure I'm just going to be idly thinking for a minute, and I'll be like, oh, and I'll have another i idea. It it's a very it's an idea that ideas grow from. I, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really happy you suggested this because obviously we never would have had this discussion if, if, uh, if you hadn't have uh, put it forward. So, thank, thank you not only for agreeing to be on it, but also for such a wonderful topic. And I can only say this enough. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no problem. As in, we're a proper podcast now because we've got, we've got. <laughs> as soon as we release this, we're a proper podcast. We have because we've. We've had a guest, because that's how you become a proper podcast, I think. So that was our episode on the Olympics. Hope you got some good ideas out of it. So next time you need something that inspires you, you won't just theorise, but adventurise. And if you do, please let us know. Um, 
all the social links to socials found in the show notes. And we'll catch you next time.